All right, so glad that you are here joining us today at Movement Church Online. So glad that you're spending part of your, your weekend here with us. And I know that you just heard about it, but listen, I'm so ecstatic and excited that next Sunday, August 23rd, we will be back live in our building for in-person worship experiences. Listen, mark your calendars. You can join us at 10 a.m. next Sunday live in the building. We'll also be online. You can join us there as well. We're so excited. All right, here, let's jump in. Get something to write on, something to write with. Reboot, part three. Quickly, we're going to recap. We talked in week one uh, that it's God's spirit in his spirit alone that, that gives us life, that we can put all the pieces together, but until we allow him to breathe life into us, into our circumstances, our situations, it's really just some dry bones. And then last week we talked about how confession is the, the foundation of revival, that confession of, of our sin, confession of a, a daily confession of our need for Jesus. It's, it's when we live a life of confession that the that the doors of revival are opened up for us. And listen, open doors are great, but we also need to walk through those doors. You, you see, there's there's absolutely nothing that you can do to secure your place in eternity. Uh, that that has been purchased by the blood of Jesus on the cross at Calvary. Listen, we have been redeemed by him. That's why scripture says that it, it, that it is by grace through faith so that none of us can boast. But hear, hear me out. You can do nothing to secure your own place in eternity. However, the measure by which you live with freedom, strength, influence, an impact on this side of eternity is entirely up to you. And that's honestly really what we're talking about in this reboot series. Is there's, there's too many people, far too many of us, are going to step into our eternal rest and peace with Jesus without ever actually having lived with freedom or with strength or with influence or making an impact here on this side. And, and what I want more than anything for each and every one of us, for, for our church together is to be a people who not just have our place in, secure, in, in, in eternity secure, but to be a people who live in such a way, who live out such a faith that we walk in strength, hope, life, joy, influence, and impact now so that we can be a movement of Jesus' kingdom here. Because the, the impact that you can have on this side, your ability, my ability, our ability together to be a movement of his kingdom is entirely up to us. And so last week we, we picked on King David a little bit. We, we kind of really dug into one of his greatest mistakes, one of, the, one of the moments of his life where he's not really living aligned with who he really is and who God has called him to be. And honestly, I don't really believe that it's, it's, it's a decision that David really wanted to make. And so what I want to do is I want to give him another chance today. And, and I want to rewind a little bit in his life to help us see how to, how to walk through the door of revival that confession opens up for us. And so many of us are probably familiar with the story of, of David and Goliath. You know, David, this, this young upstart, he, he hasn't done much of anything, at, at least not what other people would have taken notice of. You, you see, J- 
Just so you know, God doesn't really pay attention to the things that other people pay attention to. Uh, He's not looking for a list of accomplishments or accolades from people. He's not looking to see how many followers you have, how big your bank account is, how many businesses you've started or sold, how many degrees you have, how many ladders that you've climbed up. Listen, Jesus is less concerned with what you've accomplished than he is your heart and your spirit. And so David, like little old David, As many of us know, we get to the end of this story of David and Goliath, and and he has defeated Goliath, like this untrained, uh, never-been-tested-in-battle kid uh, essentially defeats this great warrior that literally everybody else was intimidated by. And if we're not careful, we'll actually miss some really important things along the way in his story, and it's we find that it's David's continual acts of obedience that lead to his ability to be part of this victory. And and really what I want us to understand today is this, is that obedience is what enables us to walk through the doors of revival that confession opens. And so we're just going to talk a little bit about obedience today, just a, a couple of points, and I hope that one of them, I really do think that at least one of them is going to resonate with each of us. But I, I want to take a look at, at, at this story, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we'll pick up in, in verse 17. It says, One day Jesse, that's David's father, said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give them ten cuts of cheese to their captain. So, so David's older brothers are out fighting with, with, with the army of Israel. David is not. He's at home Uh, tending to his father's flock. And so his dad says, hey, I need you to go take some food to your brothers. He says, see how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army in the valley of, of Allah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd, set out early the next morning with the gifts. As Jesse had directed him, he arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. So David's dad is essentially sending David off like as the Grubhub driver to his brothers. Like they were unable to order for carryout. Like they couldn't come pick it up. And so their dad says, hey, David, you go and deliver and take it to them. In doing that, we we discover something about obedience, and it's this, is that obedience positions you. You see, David would have never been in a position to fight and kill Goliath if he simply hadn't just been obedient to take food to his brothers. And by the way, this, this takes place after David has been anointed to be the next king of Israel. Literally, the chapter before this, The prophet Samuel shows up at Jesse's house and anoints David to be the next king. And David's dad still thinks so little of him that he sends David to go do something that really, in all honesty, he should have sent one of his servants to go do. But notice David. He doesn't gripe. He doesn't whine. He doesn't complain. He doesn't, doesn't, you know, cause a big ruckus and get upset that his dad is asking him to go deliver food to his brothers. He just simply does what he was asked to do. 
And there's, there's something about the, the simple act of obedience that reveals so much about our hearts and our spirits. Like I, I remember when I first started helping uh, and, and, and attending a, my, my, my youth group when I was in high school. Um, and, and I, as a teenager, and, and I was 16, 17, and, and I really kind of already started feeling like I wanted to do ministry in some capacity, like I wanted to be a part, I felt called by, by Jesus to, to be in ministry, and so when I got there, I said, hey, how can I help? You know what my, you know my youth pastor told me? I was like eager and excited, like, hey, I'm going to do ministry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start getting involved, I'm going to do all these things, what can I do? And he looked at me and said, you can get here early and you can, you can vacuum the floors and set up chairs. And by the way, he, he wasn't doing that to be demeaning. He, he did that because there were already other young, young men and young women and people who had been serving there faithfully before I ever showed up. And they were already doing a bunch of the other things. And so he said, hey, I got this that you can do. So you know what I did? I showed up early, as early as I could, every single Friday night. And I, and I vacuumed the carpet and I set up chairs. But what it did is that it, it positioned me for more. You see, I, I think a bunch of us want Jesus to entrust us with a ministry or a business or a family. But but we're not willing to be obedient in, in the small things. We're, we're, not, we're not willing to, to, to just have some simple obedience with what I've already been entrusted with. And so, so David shows up on the battlefield, probably, he's probably doing some kind of contactless delivery like we're doing now, and, and so he notices that, that Goliath has come out, and, and, and as he was doing every day for 30 days, 40 days, this, this Philistine would come out, and he would begin to taunt God's people and mock them, and, and mock God, and, and so David shows up, and he's like, what in the world is going on? He starts asking around, like, why, why are we letting this man show up and, and mock God, and mock us? Is nobody going to do anything about this? And eventually he starts asking around, and you know, word gets out that like the king, King Saul, has like an amazing reward plan for whomever defeats Goliath, this warrior. And David ends up kind of getting in a small argument with his brothers. And then eventually David goes to the king. He goes to King Saul and says, hey, if no one else is going to go do something, I'll go out. I, I will go fight this warrior. To which the king is like, you can't. You are too young. You, you are not trained. You, you are not prepared for this. Like, you, you're just a young boy. This man has been a warrior longer than you have been alive. You can't possibly go out and do this. And see, what's interesting is because, like, in this moment, King Saul is not the enemy of David. But it's funny because the enemy of your soul will whisper the same things to you that Saul said to David. You can't. You're not ready. You don't have what it takes. You're not prepared. You're not strong enough. You can't possibly do this. And I pray 
And in the moment when the enemy of your soul wants to whisper that into you and, and steal your calling and steal your confidence from you, I pray that you'll respond the same way that David did. 1 Samuel chapter 17, fast forward to verse 34. It says, David persisted. He said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And when a lion or a bear came to steal a lamb from the flock, I will go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by its jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I will do the same thing to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. You see, obedience doesn't just position you. Obedience prepares you. Because David's obedience to, to tend to his father's sheep and goats has prepared him for this moment. In being faithful to his calling to tend for those animals, David is now prepared. He fought lions. He, he fought bears. Like, I've had things bigger and stronger come after me, and the Lord has given me victory over those things in that moment, and he's going to do the same thing now. Listen, somebody, someone's got to be reminded today of how God has been faithful to you in the past and you didn't be reminded of it right now that you think you're facing something difficult but you've forgotten that the Lord already delivered you from something similar to that in your past. But if David hadn't walked in obedience, he wouldn't have been prepared for this moment. He, he would not have been prepared for the very moment that the Lord was bringing him to. And I wonder how many of us right now feel overwhelmed or underprepared for what we're facing because we've, we've never made the decision to be obedient early on. Like, could it be that Jesus is, is waiting for you to be faithful with what you currently have, waiting for you to be faithful with what you've, he's currently entrusted you with before he gives you more, before he gives you the very thing that you feel like he is calling you to? And, and David's obedience to, to be a shepherd to his father's sheep and goats did not just prepare him for that single moment. It was preparing him for the moment that he was anointed for. Listen, just because you're anointed doesn't mean that you don't need preparation. Like, just because you are called doesn't mean you do not need preparation. Just because you've made it doesn't mean you don't need preparation. I fear that so many of us feel like we have matured out of the need of obedience. We, we're never too mature for a spirit of obedience. And so I just want to ask a question. Is there an area of your life where you, need, you just need to start walking in obedience? So David, David goes out. He fights Goliath. And I don't even have time today to get into the part where King Saul says, okay, go. And then he tries to give David his own armor. And David says, no, 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 I can't take your weapons into battle. I'm not trained in those. I'm not prepared for those. I can't use another man's weapons. Some of y'all been trying to fit into someone else's gifting. You've been trying to fit into someone else's calling, into someone else's talents for so long. I can't even go there. 
Let's pick back up. David goes out, and Goliath is doing what he normally does. He's taunting Israel. Now he sees David, and Goliath thinks it's a joke. Goliath goes, what, what is this, a dog? What am I, a dog, that you would send out this, this kid to come fight me? So then David responds. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. You see, David is quick to recognize that victory is going to have nothing to do with him. Victory will have nothing to do with his strength, with his skills, what he can do but that it's the Lord who's going to provide victory that day. You see, so obedience um, positions you, obedience prepares you, and obedience humbles you. David's continued obedience taught him that it's the Lord who's the one who brings victory, that it's the Lord who brings help and strength and joy and peace. Listen, it is hard to have a genuinely obedient spirit and a prideful spirit at the same time. Like true obedience, true submission to Jesus, what it does is it reminds us that I didn't earn it. True submission, true obedience to Jesus reminds me that, hey, none of this is because of me, but it all belongs to him. And I think that, that this might be the part of obedience that, that we don't like. We, I don't think we very much like the humility part. I think for some of us, we, we have a really hard time admitting that I can't earn Jesus' love. That I, I have a really hard time admitting that I can't earn it. That I can't earn my salvation. And the truth is, some of us would like to be able to earn it because if I could earn it then I can control and dictate the terms like I, I want to be in control and say Jesus hey, hey Jesus I like this part but I don't like this part I, I like the part where you heal and you forgive and you do but I don't really like the part where you tell me to get up and leave my life of sin but listen to me Jesus is not going to be controlled Jesus is not going to have terms dictated to him he is sovereign he is in charge he sets the term and by the way the terms are in your favor because the terms say even though there should be death there's life available to you and so David runs out in the battle and by the mighty hand and outstretched arm of God, he defeats Goliath. There's a huge victory. 
the opposing army is, is driven off and, and defeated. David is blessed. He's highly favored. Israel, God's people, are delivered. And the reward that was given for defeating Goliath now belongs to David. Because obedience positions us, obedience prepares us, obedience humbles us, and obedience leads to provision. David's obedience led to provision for himself and for all of Israel. And, and more often than not, in Jesus' kingdom, our obedience leads to provision. For example, my obedience to tithe, my obedience to give the, the first 10% of my income leads to the provision for me to have open hands and be available to receive more of his blessing. Why? Because in Jesus' kingdom, we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. My obedience to his word, to his calling, to his commands, my obedience to being faithful, to being holy, to being a living and active part of the local church, to, to, to be faithful, all that does is it leads me to spiritual, emotional, and relational provision. And then I get to a place where I am willing to be obedient because Jesus was willing to be obedient. Hey, wherever you are right now, just stand to your feet. Let's just honor this moment. We get to a place where, where I am willingly obedient because Jesus was willingly Obedient. Jesus demonstrates the ultimate act of obedience. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, talking about Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. You see, Jesus' obedience to the cross was my provision for forgiveness. Jesus' willing obedience to go to the cross was the provision that provided for my forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 5 says it this way, that God made him, talking about Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. In other words, Jesus, not only did Jesus not have sin, he was willing to become sin itself. Why? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It is only through obedience that Jesus could take my place. It's only through obedience that Jesus could become sin. Why? So that I could stand in his place and I could 
Listen. Jesus never, Jesus never called you to be great. He never called you to be talented. He never called you to consistently strive to get better and do more and work harder and be more and earn it. He never called you to do any of those things. What Jesus called you to do is to be obedient. And your obedience positions you, prepares you, humbles you, and is your provision. And it was Jesus' obedience that provided the provision for our forgiveness. So here's what I want to do. Every head bowed, every heart open in this moment. Maybe you've never stepped into a real, genuine relationship with Jesus. You've never understood that by going to the cross, what Jesus did was step into your place so that you could step into his. Jesus said, son, daughter, I love you so much that I will humble myself and I'll be obedient to a brutal death on the cross, the shedding of my blood. I will become sin so that you can become righteousness. And if right now you've never received the righteousness, the grace, the relationship with Jesus, I just want you to put your hands up right now and say, I want to walk in righteousness. I want to walk in forgiveness. I want to walk in obedience. Jesus, right now, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice who's never walked in obedience, who's never walked in your forgiveness, or maybe for the first time in a long time wants to come home. Jesus, may they know that you stand with arms wide open and said, hey, I'll take your place so that you can take mine and you can stand in righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, here's the promise of God's word. Romans chapter 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, and you believe in your heart, scripture says that you're saved. You're made a new creation. The most beautiful exchange takes place Jesus exchanged his righteousness for your sin. Listen to me, if you, if you prayed that today, stepped into that today, listen to me, all of heaven is rejoicing with you right now. And the only thing I want to tell you is welcome home because all of heaven is rejoicing and saying, son, daughter, Welcome home. You are loved. You are righteous. You are cherished. You are my beloved. Now listen, if you made that decision today, will you let us know? Because we always say it this way. One of, the, one of the best things that you can do is be inspired to make change and then take a step in that direction. So a really simple step you can take is right now in the comments, you can just throw like the little hand emoji up. You can put 
put your name and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. We would love to connect with you and partner with you and pray with you on this, this journey of faith that you're on. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to close the same way that we do each and every week with an opportunity to give our tithes and our offerings. Now listen, this past Yesterday, Saturday, was Serve Day 2020 in church. You, you came out. You were amazing. We had thousands of diapers and groceries and food and, and, and cards. and also, You guys went above and beyond being generous and loving our city. And we are so thankful because when you are generous in God's house, God's house is able to be generous in our city. So come on, keep being consistent, keep being faithful, keep being generous so that the church can keep being faithful, consistent, and generous. Now listen, if this is your first time here, we don't want anything from you. In fact, we just hope that this online experience is our gift to you. But if you call Movement Church your home, all we ever ask is that you ask Jesus what you should give and then just be obedient. Because we know that on the other side of obedience is blessing for you and for your family. There's a couple of ways, really easy ways that you can give. You can give online through our app. You can also give right from your smartphone. You can text the amount you want to give to 84321 and then just follow the prompts from there. Church, we got one more week of 21 days of prayer. Join us Thursday morning in the building to pray. Join us Saturday morning to pray. And then mark your calendars. Next Sunday, August 23rd, we are back live in person in the building, 10 a.m. Plan your visit. Let us know that you're going to be here. And of course, we'll still be online to connect with you there. Church, we love you. We miss you. We've been saying we can't wait to gather with you again. It's coming next week. We're going to gather with you in person. We cannot wait. Stay connected with us. We love you. We cannot wait to see you next week. Now, I just pray right now that Jesus, your very presence, would go before your people, would surround your people. Holy Spirit, that you would fill your people and empower them, and that, Heavenly Father, you would cause your good face to shine upon us and give us peace and rest till we gather together again. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, church. We love you.